bid you a uh, very cool morning in here. Everybody staying cool this summer? I am not, as a northerner. I want to invite you to turn to Galatians chapter 3 this morning. We're going to look at verses 12. I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to camp out in one verse. I'm preaching one verse this morning. So I know there's context there, and I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little bit of background. I'm going to unpack it for you, but um, I'm going to land really in one verse, and that's verse 12. And so may God bless um, his word this morning. Holy Spirit, descend upon us. Illumine our eyes to what you would have us to see from the words of Paul, the words of God. May we see good news in this book. Encourage us, empower us to go out into this world to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So, verse 10, when Paul says in verse 10, you can see it there, that all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. What he's doing is he's just reminding us again of what has already been proclaimed in this this book. He's wanting us to think back now to chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, where he says there are some who trouble you and want you to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel of heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which is preached to you, Let him be what? Accursed. Let him be cursed. And so there's one word that you're going to pick up that I'm going to say over and over and over again this morning. It is that word, cursed. All right? So that's it's kind of what it really is. This is a message of bad news, good news this morning. So it is the gospel. And that's what I am going to proclaim from God's word. So it should remind us, right, this word should remind us where we've been in this whole series. Um, Because we've been been given a heavy dose on what it means to be accursed. Accursed. Paul believed that there was a teaching among the churches of Galatia which was so destructive to people and so dishonoring to God that it merited... A divine curse. It was a teaching propagated not by secular humanists from Athens, but by God fearing Jewish Christians, church members from Jerusalem. And so the reason I, I think the book of Galatians has such a radical life-changing message is that it pronounces a curse from God not on people who are atheists or people who are agnostic but on professing Christians who try to serve in a way that diminishes the grace of God and cultivates their own pride. So Galatians, to me, is just a reminder. It's a reminder to me, it's a reminder to you, it's a reminder to this parish, it's a reminder to those 
who go to church every Sunday that are in the very constant dangers of false assurances that Paul's trying to just sort out here in this book. Right? Because Satan, with you and with me, are, is continuously at work tempting us to think and tempting us to feel that because we use God talk and because we pray at mealtimes and because we avoid gross sins, we are therefore under God's blessings. But the book of Galatians, remember, concerns a group of people who do all of those things, who are out under God's divine judgment. That's what's happening. That's why we just kind of, we're treading on very thin ice right here in this book, right? It's, Paul is saying, danger, danger, check yourself, right? You ever heard that term, right? In combat, check yourself, right? Before you go into a big game, check yourself. Make sure that your heart and your mind are in right order. So for the remainder of the time, I just want to camp out here. I want to focus on one verse, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 12. You can see it there in your Bible, right? Christ redeemed us, the Bible says. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a what? Curse for us. For it is written, what? Cursed is everyone who is hung up. We're just going to do that, right? We're going to do this in this message. I'm just going to keep asking you to bounce things off. I just want to make sure you're tracking with me. Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. So what I think is happening here is three eternally transforming truths that I want to sink deep into our hearts this morning. Here's number one. We're, we're going to go very quickly. Here's number one. We're going to go quickly through number one. Because number one is we are under the curse of God's law. We are under the curse of God's law. And so what I don't want to happen is for us just to sulk, right, in this point. So we're not going to tarry here very long. But I want us to know that number one, based on Galatians 3.13, we are all under the curse of God's law. Every single person in this room, whether they be young or whether they be old, are under the curse of God's law. That's key here in the book of Galatians. It's key here in Galatians 3.13. And it's that word, and it's what? Good. All right. This is great. You're picking up, right? Curse. Curse. You see it three different times here. Curse. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. It's used twice in Galatians 3.10. So Paul is just giving you a heavy dose of, you're cursed, you're cursed, you're cursed. Just so you need a reminder, hey, you're cursed, right? It's a multifaceted word. Expounded in a variety of different ways throughout scripture, but it literally means to be afflicted, to have a disease that will eventually put you in the grave. 
afflicted, doomed for destruction. Or as Father Tyler said, remember the word that he used several weeks ago? You remember what he used? Damned. You are damned. Right? Cursed. This is not a good thing. This is the bad news this morning. So I don't want to tarry here, right? Bad news. You and I stand guilty before God our maker. There is no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3.10. Not only that, but you and I stand condemned before God. You and I, the gavel, sounds condemned, guilty. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is what? Condemned already. He's going to perish. Condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God, John 3, 18. So, number one, you and I are both cursed. Here's the encouragement. Here's the good news. Point number two, Christ took your curse. Christ took your curse. Christ took my curse. Christ redeemed us from the curse. Cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. And so Paul reminds us, now what he's wanting us to do is he's wanting to take us back into the Old Testament. And that's exactly what he does. He quotes Deuteronomy 21, 23. Right? And he brings the cross into the picture. And that's important. He brings the cross now into the picture. And he says, cursed is the man who is hung on a tree. Don't miss that phrase. Cursed is the man who is hung on a tree. This is, an, this is not an accident that he quotes that. This is not happenstance. Because God in his infinite wisdom ordained that in the first century we have this picture where Romans have devised a cruel form of torture and execution called the crucifixion, where someone is taken and they are beaten and they are scourged and they are mocked and they are spit upon and they're hung on a tree, they're nailed to a tree, nailed to a cross. Not even a Roman citizen would be sentenced to this cruel death. And so what Paul is doing is he's wanting to put an image in your mind and in my mind. That Christ went to the cross and he was nailed to the cross. And it's a picture of the shamefulness of sin. A picture of the wrath of God on sin. On the curse. And he says to the world, you want to see, you want to see the seriousness of sin? You want to know how serious I take the curse? Look at the cross. You want to see the shamefulness of sin and the curse? Look at the cross. Look at the cross. Look at the cross. Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. I remember when I was a little boy, 
I was sitting in pews, just like you're sitting in pews. We, they were actually pews. They weren't chairs. Um, so we were sitting in pews, and I remember holding the hand of my father, singing the old Isaac Watts hymn, At the Cross. Some of you know this hymn, perhaps. Let me quote just one stanza of this great hymn. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote the sacred head? You know the next line? For such a worm as I. (laughs) For such a worm as I. Here's... Here's the next stanza, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith that I received my sight. Finish the last line. And now I am happy all the day. At the cross. Jesus Christ covered my guilt at the cross. He endured our condemnation at the cross. His humility overcame our pride at the cross. His gentleness overcame our hardness at the cross. His death overcame our hopelessness. We are under the curse of God's law, but alas, At the cross, Christ took our curse. Number three, lastly, here's the application this morning. This is how we're going to apply this one verse to our lives. Number three, we now stand in the light of God's grace. Amen? We stand in the light of God's grace. And so the question is this, I think. This is what what we kind of have come to the crossroads how will we respond to this message how will you respond to this message how does the world respond to this message how will orlando respond to this message how will the middle east respond to this message how will saint paul's and the people at this parish respond to this message i i think there are three ways that the world does respond The first way is just to ignore the curse. Just ignore it. I'm just going to act like it's not there. I'm really not that bad. It sounds like you're painting scripture to really seem like I'm, geez, I'm really not that bad. At the previous church I was at, we would often, we'd get people who would call the church and they would want help. And it was a great opportunity to share the gospel, right? Because they're coming to the church. I need help. I need financial assistance, right? I need, I need my water bill paid. I need my electricity bill, you know? So what we would do is we would take that opportunity just to share the gospel. And I would always ask those that called, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? What do you think they would say? Absolutely, yes. I I believe in Jesus, right? Doesn't everybody believe in Jesus? And then I would ask, so what you're saying is if you were to die today, 
and you're standing at the gates of God's kingdom, and he asks you the question, why should I let you in? What would be your response? And you, know, you want to know nine times out of ten the response I would get? Because I am a good person. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Paul is saying that you can't ignore the curse. We, we and people do say, I don't believe it. I'm really not that bad. I won't accept that I'm guilty before God. We're condemned by God. I just can't accept that. And in pride, we could initially say, I don't really. Thank you very much, but I frankly don't need God. I don't need your God. I don't want your God. If that's the case, I don't want it. We could respond by ignoring the curse. Secondly, we could maybe respond this way. I'm just going to work harder to overcome the curse. And this is really where Paul gets us squirming, right? This is really where the Galatian churches are at. Working hard to overcome the curse. I'm going to start working harder today to be acceptable to God, right? How often we do this and how often Satan just gets us right in this, like, right? Just today, after I've heard this message, I'm just... You're right. I'm going to start working harder. I'm going to be a better parent. I'm going to be a better father. I'm going to be a better mother. I'm going to be a better wife. I'm going to be a better husband. Salvation is not Christ plus what you bring to the table. That's not the gospel. The cross of Christ says... There is absolutely nothing you can do to please God. To be acceptable before him. You need Christ. And Christ alone. Christ and Christ alone can save you. Here's the third and final way. And this is where my prayer has been for this congregation. Will you embrace the curse... And run to the cross. Will you embrace the curse. And run to the cross this morning. Will you see and savor. And prefer Christ. Showing his supreme worth. Or to put in two succinct sentences. Walking worthily of God. And his kingdom and calling. Means seeing and savoring and preferring and showing his supreme worth. Brothers and sisters, the gospel road is making much of Christ in whatever you do, right? It's Paul's words, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether you eat, whether you drink, or whatever you do, what? Make much of God, glorify God. The essence of worship, the essence of what we've been doing this morning, the essence of what we're going to do by coming to this table is a passionate preferring of the worth of God over all things. And the act of worship is giving expression to that passionate preference for the worth of God. You and I were under the curse, 
But alas, Jesus Christ took the curse at the cross. And today, now, you and I stand in the light of God's grace. May he bless this message in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.